Welcome back to Adorn Podcast. We are on episode 17. So we are concluding our series on who God is. And today we're going to talk about the Omnis. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Adorned Podcast. We're your hosts, Aaron and Casey. We would love for you to come join us each week as we discuss what it means to be made beautiful by God's Word. Whether you are a college student walking to class, a mom folding laundry during nap time, or a boss babe sitting in rush hour traffic, we hope that we can encourage and inspire you to pursue a deeper understanding of the Bible. So the omnis, huh? What are the omnis, Casey? Um, well, omni is all in Latin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and that's all. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> omni means all in Latin. And um, we have omniscience, omnipotence, and omnipresence. And yes. those are three different terms that we use to describe different attributes of God. Yeah, so we're going to kind of break them down one by one and um, give some scriptural backing to each of them, give them some real good definitions and talk about like why it matters to us um, in our day-to-day life. And then we're going to come and talk about some Bible stories that we've heard before and and how we see all of these attributes of God throughout these these stories that we already most likely know. So we're going to start with omniscience. Um, this, every time I look at it, I want to say omniscience, but that's not it. So it's omniscience. And, um, the definition we have for omniscience is that God fully knows himself and all things actual and possible in one simple and eternal act. That's kind of, that's kind of a lot of information. We pulled that from systematic theology. I'll read it again. God fully knows himself and all things actual and possible in one simple and eternal act. Do you want to expand on that a little bit? Hmm. You throw throw this at me. Well, I can give you a catechism question. Okay, perfect. (laughs) Does God know all things? Yes. Yes. You have to sing it. Oh, I don't know the songs. We didn't learn the songs. Yes, that's it. Beautiful. <laughs> nothing can be hidden from God. So that's that's the question. Does God know all things? Yes, nothing can be hidden from God. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that expands on the first definition or not, but it's a little more simple. Yeah, it's easier to, to understand a little bit. And I like um, J.I. Packer, what he says. He says that he, talking about God, he knows everything about everything and everybody all the time. He also knows the future no less than the past and the present so I think that's pretty simple he knows everything he knows everybody at all times um so that's pretty much how we would define omniscience um then we're going to give you some scripture Casey what's the first verse we got here so the first one is um Job 37 16 and it says do you know the balancing of the clouds the wondrous works of him who is perfect in knowledge perfect Mm. in knowledge he knows everything which I think that's a, a good word that we haven't used yet is perfect. Yeah. So yeah. when we think about, okay, knowing all things, he perfectly knows mm-hmm. all things. And then, yeah. you know, perfect, like we talked about before and different attributes, he, he can't be less perfect or mm-hmm. more perfect. Perfect is complete in yeah. that he has complete and perfect knowledge of all things and all people. Um, another one that we really liked was Proverbs 15, three. It says the eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. So we, you know, it's a good reminder for us that he doesn't just see what 
We want him to see he sees all things. All things. Wicked yeah. and good. Nothing can be hidden from God. Yep. Yep. I think this builds, um, when thinking about the other attributes that we've talked about, this one in particular, omniscience, really builds on um, what we talked about back in episode 13? 12. 12? No, 13. 13? 13, I believe. Um, yes. The first episode, no, second episode in this series yes. where we talked about how God is um, infinite and yet intimate. And I think this really builds in... Um, kind of correlates with what we talked about Uh him being both intimate and infinite because he's infinite. He knows all things Mm -hmm. and yet he's intimate. Like he knows the hairs on our head. So Uh he knows all things, huge grand scale, you know, everything that's going to happen. Like what we would think of as a big deal. And then also he knows everything as much as the hairs on our head or what we're going to eat for breakfast or, you know, anything. And when you say the hairs on our head, like, he doesn't have to count them yes. when we ask them. He just knows. Yes. He knows how much water is in the ocean, every mm-hmm. single drop, without having to count them. It's just there. He yes. just knows it. And that's just, that's something that we can't fathom yeah. because we don't have that type of knowledge. Right. But he does. Yeah. I love that when I, when we were like researching this, I had never thought about that before, mm-hmm. you know, because when someone asks you a question, you kind of recall on your memory or you, you know, if you're doing a math problem, you think, okay, maybe you count on your fingers or right. whatever it is or what did you if somebody asked you what did you do last Thursday you like have to think mm-hmm. back to it and God doesn't work that way and I never thought about that that everything is fully there like it says in the definition um he knows all things actual and possible in one simple and eternal act he doesn't have to think back it's just constantly there which kind of blows my mind actually I love that so he doesn't have to learn anything mm-hmm. and he never forgets so yes. he's once again, he's unchanging. Yes. It's that immutability that, yes. we, that we talked about in episode 15 or something. <laughs> well, I don't the numbers even now. Know. But I love seeing how yes. all of these attributes tie together and how they exactly. build on one another and yes. how it's just, it's really cool mm-hmm. to see that. And it gets a little bit confusing too because it's like, wait, what attribute is this? Right. And then right. it's like, well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter. It's <laughs> just part it's of true. God. Yes, yes. It's true. And it's who he is. And they all just fit together so perfectly. Yeah. Um, so I've talked a little bit in the last few episodes about, um, my struggle with anxiety. And, um, when I think about that, I think of it as being a control issue because Mm -hmm. I want to know, I want to know what's going on. And I think that knowing maybe what's going to happen tomorrow will help me be less anxious or maybe Mm -hmm. knowing more information about a certain illness will help me be less anxious when in actuality, sometimes having more information just it makes you more anxious and it's more to worry about instead of less to worry about. And, um, so as I was thinking about this and I was thinking about how, you know, I need to just cast all of that on the one who does know everything. Mm -hmm. Like I will never know everything. I'm not omniscient like Mm -hmm. God is. And I just need to, um, trust and rely on God because he does know everything. I actually thought about, um, something that I think is a pretty good example of this. And, so I hate flying mm-hmm. and um, I'm have had, ugh, I've had to do a lot more of it in recent years and I'm actually flying in like two days to mm-hmm. go to Florida and I'm nervous. And over the past few years, I've thought, why do I hate flying so much? And I really think it boils down to that control again. Yeah. Um, but I always say we have a really good friend that's a pilot. His name's Nate. And I always say if Nate were the pilot, if I knew Nate was flying, I wouldn't be 
near as worried. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, why is that the case? Like the pilot flying my plane, the random pilot that I don't know. I mean, he knows what he's doing. But with Nate, I would be more comfortable because I know that I know that I know that he knows what mm-hmm. he's doing. Yeah. He has the knowledge of how a plane works. He has the knowledge of where we're going. He has the knowledge of what to do if there's an emergency. He knows. And I know that he knows because of my relationship with him. Because I have gotten to know him. I watched him go through school. I trust him. And so this makes me think about um, our relationship with God and and how we can trust in him because he knows. He knows what's going to happen with our future. He knows the direction that our plane is going, so to speak. Like mm-hmm. that might sound a little bit cheesy, but um, we have to just trust in the fact that he knows what he's doing. And the closer we get to him, the more we have a relationship with God, the the more that we'll be able to do that. We'll be able to have that confidence in the fact that that he's got it. Like he's got us in the palm of his hands and our future is in his hands. And, um, we can just rest in the fact that he knows what he's doing. And so I think that this is an attribute that, um, sometimes when we're talking about these attributes, they can seem big, huge, like we can't figure out how, well, how does that like matter in Mm -hmm. my day to day life? But I think, um, especially as women, as moms, as sisters, as daughters, like we have all these little things coming into our head every day and all this, like, um, just this overwhelming stimulus of knowledge coming into our head. And it's like, we need to just slow down Mm -hmm. and realize we'll never know it all, but God does. Mm -hmm. And we can trust that he just knows. And that's, that's a good thing. Yeah. And I like that we, we had talked about kind of maybe starting with the Omnis when we were doing this series and I'm glad we put them at the end because I think knowing the other attributes that we've talked about, his goodness and his desire to be intimate and his sovereignty and all those things, I think allow us then to trust him more. Mm -hmm. Like you're saying, we have a relationship with him. We know these things to be absolutely true about him. Then it's easier for us to say, okay, I trust the fact that God does know all things and he knows all things future. He knows all things past. And I can rest in that because now I know about his goodness and mm-hmm. now I know about his sovereignty. Yeah. And, um, yeah. so I really, I really think that's a good point. And I think like you're saying, we can all relate on some level or another to, to the idea of worry or anxiety or just the future. I think everybody, if they were being honest, has kind of a uneasy feeling sometimes mm-hmm. when thinking about what does the future hold and for sure um so i think that's that's one of definitely the biggest ways that um omniscience god's omniscience matters to us in the fact that then we know okay he knows all things it, there's not this question of god being like i'm not sure where you're gonna go next you mm-hmm. you know there's like god knows all things there's mm-hmm. no doubt there's no fear there's no uncertainty yeah and that we can rest in that Yeah. So Jonathan earlier, I was talking this through with him and he has a good quote that I think he would probably want me to say. He said, it's one thing to know that God is in control, but it's another thing to know the God that is in control. Boom. And so, yeah, (laughs) I mean, we all, we all know. Yeah. Earlier Aaron said Twitter that (laughs) I was like, oh no, no. Clearly, I don't have a Twitter. Or I it's, don't know how to use it. Yeah, It's one thing to have the knowledge that God knows things, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. it's another thing to have that relationship and to really, truly trust that he knows. Yes. yes. Yep. So, so yeah. good. So good. 
So um, moving on, the next one is omnipotence. And we define that as God is able to do all his holy will, or actually systematic theology defines it that way. <laughs> so therefore, we're defining so it we're, that therefore way. So therefore, we're defining it that way. Um, so basically, it means that God is all powerful. Mm-hmm. And I like that it says that God is able to do all his holy will because we talked about this a little bit I think in one of the other episodes that God is able to do anything that aligns with his character not anything that is sinful so sometimes we hear the idea omnipotence God is if we say God is able to do anything if that's how we're defining it then that means that he is open to sin which we know that's obviously not true so that's why we're capping it at God is able to do all his holy will because that keeps him, you know, in line with the other attributes mm-hmm. that we know to be true about God of his goodness. And yes, that he is unable to change and he is unable to sin. And so um, he is able to do all his holy will. Mm-hmm. And technically, yep. if we're going back to the Latin, omni again means all and then potens, 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 potens. I think. Okay. Means we'll go with that. Powerful. So yes. technically, that's how we would Latinly. I like it. I like it. So let's go to scripture um, a little bit. Genesis 1814 says, is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year. And Sarah shall have a son. I like that one a lot because it seemed impossible to Mm -hmm. them that Sarah Mm -hmm. was going to conceive. And, um, and that's yeah. the Lord speaking. It is. Yeah. It is. And it's just so cool that God was saying, no, like I'm powerful. I can do this. Yeah. And so, yeah, I like that one. The girls always think it's so funny because I think it's the Jesus storybook Bible mm-hmm. and has the picture of Abraham and Sarah. Yeah, it is. And she's really old, you know? Yeah. And yeah. they're like, that old lady's going to have a baby. I'm like, I know God yeah. can do anything. And it's just so a great cool. chance to kind of just like really truly see that mm-hmm. in, a, yeah. in a way that kids can even mm-hmm. grasp well yeah. that seems impossible yeah. well for god it's not nothing's impossible with yeah. god which in luke 137 mm-hmm. gabriel said to mary a virgin that should not be yes. with child with god nothing will be impossible you know what's really cool about both of those is that they're both about to babies. women yeah yes. and they're both to women having yes. babies in circumstances that seem impossible yeah yeah, really cool. That's funny. I didn't think about that when we were writing out the scripture, mm-hmm. but that's that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I also really like Jeremiah thirty two seventeen. Um, Jeremiah is speaking to God in this verse, and he says, "Ah, the Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you." And I think um, that's pretty similar to the one we were talking about before. But I think something to note on this one is that he's talking about. God creating the heavens and the earth. And I think when we think of power, like on a human level, we think of, um, I guess the word would be coercive power Mm -hmm. or manipulative power or like strength power where I'm going to force something or someone to do something. So we think of power as like military power or political power or just personal power. I'm stronger than you. I can use my power, um, whatever that looks like. And that's, that's not at all the power we're talking about here. I mean, yes, God does have power to do anything, but the power that, that God has is a power that no one else has. It's not taking something and making it do something. It's not taking something and 
making it into something else. He had the power, like Jeremiah saying here, is that you created the heavens and the earth. God is the only one, truly the only one who has creative power. Because if we think, oh, I've created something. No, you've taken something and maybe turned it into something else. But right. you, you do not have the ability to create something out of nothing. Only God has creative power. And so God is the only one, when we speak about his omnipotence, that has true power. Mm-hmm. Wow. Otherwise, like it's just yeah. kind of manipulation more mm-hmm. than power. Yeah. yeah. And when we talk about God being the creator, I mean, if you think about the things he's created, you think about these huge mountains, you think about um, the thunderstorms, you think about the raging sea, mm-hmm. you think about all of these things that just make you feel so, so tiny. Yeah. And when you're up next to it, you think, oh, my word, like that's so big. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the creation. Mm -hmm. If you think about how much bigger the creator is, I mean, and how much more powerful he is, I mean, it just kind of blows your mind. And so um, I really like this psalm. I feel like it goes really well with with talking about just how powerful and how big our God is. And it's um, Psalm 8. And it says, O Lord, our God, or our... (laughs) I'm singing the song in my head. So, okay. (laughs) Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beast of the field and the birds of the sea and the fish of the, oh, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the <laughs> sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is is your name and all the earth. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I just like that. It just, I mean, just thinking about how big God is, mm-hmm. how powerful he is. Yeah. It's pretty cool to think about. It is. Because I think if we think about a place where we felt that feeling, you're talking about, wow, this is so big and powerful, like under a storm or on the edge of the Grand Canyon or something like that, we're so focused on the creation, but you're right. Like if you're take a step back and think about, wow, God created all of these things, not Mm -hmm. just the grand Canyon as if that would be just, you know, like that's a huge deal, but he also created the huge mountains, the beautiful Rocky mountains in Colorado or whatever. He's, you know, he's created all of these things. The creator has to be so much bigger than the creation itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Yeah. And, um, like when we think about Jesus in the New Testament, we think about, you know, Jesus is fully God. Mm-hmm. So he has these same attributes as God the Father does. Jesus curses a fig tree and it dies. Mm-hmm. That's some power. He rebukes a storm and it calms down. Like nobody else can do that. Right. He told Lazarus, hey, dude, raise from the dead. Yeah. And he rose from the dead. Like power like over that life is and some death. power yes. right there. I mean, that's just crazy power. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we see, we see it. It is the gospel. Oh, absolutely. Like the gospel. He conquered death. Yes. Yes. So like that is the very easiest answer if you think about, okay, where do we see omnipotence in scripture? Well, God raised Jesus from the dead. Yes. Yes. 
pretty powerful if you ask me. I would say so. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like this really builds on um, God's sovereignty. And as I was, you know, just kind of studying for this and looking at this, I kept kind of getting confused in my mind. And we're going to look at a story here in a little bit. And I kept saying, no, but that's his omnipotent. No, that's his sovereignty. No, oh, it just yeah. goes all together, <laughs> you know. Um, so this definitely builds on the fact that, that God is the ruler. Mm -hmm. Like he will rule his plan will reign supreme. Like he is ruler overall. Yeah. Um, and that makes sense too, because when you think of like political rulers Mm -hmm. and like Kings, like you think of their power. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, it does definitely all, all go together. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's good. So what's our next Omni? The last Omni. Well, I guess, I can't say it's the last. I don't know if that's accurate. Um, the last one we're talking about today is omnipresence. So um, we're defining that, again, from systematic theology. It says that God does not have size or spatial dimensions and is present at every point of space with his whole being, yet God acts differently in different places. I'm going to be honest right now. This is the most confusing one for me to grasp. Me too. Without a doubt. When, when Aaron and I were talking about this at the very beginning and she said, okay, what attributes do we want to talk about? I said this one because (laughs) I don't get it. Yes. I, because I think that it is something that people have a hard time wrapping their heads around. And, um, I still have a hard time. Like this is just something that, I mean, um, yeah, it's it's tough to understand. I feel like this is the one too that like for some reason my kids always ask about and I'm like, yeah. why are you asking me about the hardest stuff? You're 4 years old, but you know, they're always ask like, well, is God in heaven or is God in my heart or is mm-hmm. God you know at this person's house or is God and I'm like, well, God is everywhere and it's just it's very confusing. So did you read did you read the chapter about it in this Mm-mm. book? Okay. So in um None Like Him, Jen, Jen Wilkins, she actually talks about that. She mm-hmm. talks about how from a very early age we just have this fascination with like being more than one place at once. So yeah. she talks about like um there's a place that you can go and you're in four states. It's like yes, Colorado, four corners. You t- yeah. I've been there. Yes. Yeah. See, you've been there. Uh, yeah. And it apparently is like in the middle of nowhere. It is. And but so, everybody goes there. Exactly. Yeah. So the whole thing is we feel like we're like breaking some kind of rule oh. by being there. Cause mm-hmm. look, we're four places at one time yeah. doing we're something not, not really. humanly possible. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So there's just this fascination with it, like from a super, super early age. Yeah. And actually, um, we find ourselves trying to do this a lot. Mm. If we think about it, like, um, she uses the example of like FaceTime, like, you know, I'm going to go to uh. my child's soccer game over here and my husband's going to FaceTime the play that my other child's mm-hmm. in over there. And that's great. And it's a good thing that we have that technology nowadays. And then even like we were talking about at life group the other night, like watching TV while you're on your cell yeah, phone, like yeah. things like that. Um, we like to call that multitasking, mm-hmm. but really we're trying to be more than one place at yeah. once. We're trying to be more than one thing at once. And the thing is like, that is not a quality that we possess. It is not an attribute we possess. And so we are not able to do it fully at all, actually, because if you're, at your kid's soccer game, but you're watching the dancing exactly. and you're not watching exactly. the soccer game. <laughs> so that's the thing about God. Not only is he 
everywhere at one time. He is fully, and that's yeah. called his immensity. He is fully everywhere at one time. So when we're trying to do this, I mean, it's okay for us to multitask. I'm not saying multitasking is a sin in and of itself, but we can sometimes start to idolize that. Mm. And we can even say, oh, I'm a good multitasker. Yeah, well, yeah. like when we get so focused on trying to do this thing that we weren't created mm. to do, that can actually become somewhat sinful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we really have to kind of keep ourselves in check about that and realize that we're not doing anything fully right. when we're trying to do that because that's not something that we can do. Yeah. But God can. Right. And so that's just really cool to think about. Like yeah. he is not only everywhere at once. He is fully, fully, fully there. Yeah. So I really think cool. The reason it's so hard for us to grasp is we can't relate to it at all. Exactly. Like um, exactly. omnipot I'm gonna do it again. <laughs> not omnipotence. <laughs> omnipotence. <laughs> omnipotence. Like we can understand because we can understand somewhat what power, power is mm-hmm. yeah. and omniscience we can understand because we understand knowledge right. even though we don't have all knowledge but we can understand because we have some knowledge yeah. we have some you could say power mm-hmm. but omnipresence we have no we way to relate to that do it yeah even when we're thinking about facetime and being yeah, yeah. somewhere else like that's still you're not fully yes present either like either place it is, it is very, very So confusing. it is. It's kind of like once again, mind blowing. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Um, but we do have some scripture to back this up. Psalm 139, 7 through 10. It says, where should I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea even your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me so god's everywhere yep where should i go from your spirit or where shall i flee from your presence it's not possible Mm-mm. that's the point no. that's the point he's making Nick. there's no way to escape which almost sounds scary but since it's god it's not you know what i mean like if it was a person right. we'd be like that's a little creepy yes but yes exactly well and that actually um makes me think about the thing that makes these attributes of God stand out mm-hmm. is the holy before him, which mm. we haven't really said, mm. but it's God's holy omniscience. It's God's holy omnipotence, ah, God's almost did it. holy omnipresence. It's um, like you said, if mm-hmm. it were any other person with these attributes, it would be scary, but because he's mm-hmm. holy, it's not. And Jerry Bridges, um, he defines holiness as this. He says, holiness describes both the majesty of God and the purity and moral perfection of his nature. Mm-hmm. So um, to me, this kind of goes back to God not being able to do anything outside of his nature. So he is morally perfect. Mm-hmm. So all of these attributes, they're all for his good, right. you know, it's not going to be for anything. He's not going to use it for anything right. sinful because he can't sin. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think that holy before each one of them is an yeah. important thing. And I think that makes a really good point because when we say it's perfect, it's not just perfect in completeness, but it's perfect in character or perfect mm-hmm. in morality or yeah. perfect in what, however you want to explain that it's perfect in completeness, but it's also perfect in, um, nature, I guess right. it's, yeah. you know, there's no 
sinfulness to it. There's mm-hmm. no lacking. There's nothing. It's good and it's perfect and it's mm-hmm. complete. Yeah. So um, when we're thinking about why his omnipresence matters, um, I think this might seem kind of obvious, but we have to think about he sees every single thing we do. Mm-hmm. And that can make us more aware of our sin, mm-hmm. which is a good thing. Um, but to me, it also should drive us to thankfulness and mm-hmm. gratitude because mm-hmm. he sees every part of us, every single thing mm-hmm. we do, and he still forgives us. Mm-hmm. And so I think that um, that's just one of the ways that his presence can kind of be a um, just a very visible, like tangible thing yeah. in our in our daily lives and something to remember. I think you're right. I think it should drive us to thankfulness. And I also think it should change our focus in why we do things. Like a lot of times I think personally, if we're going to be honest, I serve and I want people to know that I'm serving, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. or I'm serving and I want to be seen. Like if sometimes if I go do something like, well, nobody even saw me do that, which yeah. is horrible. It's I've horrible. I'm being before. honest. Uh, and to yeah. be just being honest oh, here. Yeah. But that should the fact that God sees everything, the holy, righteous God who, you know, forgives us forgives us of our sin but then also that should be enough whatever we do if God's the only one who sees Mm -hmm. it that should be enough because he sees everything so the time you serve or you you know help the lady at the grocery store with a crying baby or whatever it is like God saw that and that should be enough which is so hard for us in this generation like with our phones how many likes did I get on my Instagram post or how many comments did I get like we so desperately want to be seen all the while missing the fact that we are seen every single thing we do is seen and seen by the only one that really matters if they sees it <sighs> I'm getting chills because that's so true right that's so true and his presence isn't something that um, that we earn. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Psalm twenty three, some a verse that most of us know, and it says um, twenty three. I can't think of the actual verse. It's chapter twenty three. I don't know the verse, but anyway, it says, "Even though I walk it. through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil." Wrap it. Wrap it. <laughs> For you are with me. <laughs> and it says, "This is um, Jen Wilkins says." <laughs> Um, the with me of God does not depend on our worthiness, mm. but his will. He wills that his chosen children will never be left alone. Mm. So that that presence isn't mm-hmm. something we earn. Yeah. It's not because we're worthy. He is choosing. Mm-hmm. He's choosing to be with us. Yes. He's choosing to watch us to to just be present. Yes. And so that makes it even that much more sweeter. It goes, it's so funny because right now the girls are at VBS, they're at preschool VBS and their main take home that they've been coming home and telling me every day, you know, the thing that they repeat is, um, God chose me and he knows me and he loves me very much or something like that. He chose me and he knows me. And it's like exactly what you're saying. He chose us and he knows us and he's present with us. Oh, I love it. I know. Such a good takeaway. Yes. Go church. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So one last thing on um, omnipresence is I think this is a really good fact to think about um, because we usually can only think in time and space like we were talking about. But if God created all things, then he created time and space. Mm. So he can't be contained by them. So we have to kind of step back and remember he's not contained by time and space like we are or our minds can only think that way because he created it. So he existed before it. Therefore, he can't be contained by it. That's crazy. Still hard to understand, but (laughs) yes, yes, that's cool though. So, um, over.
over the last few days, we've been kind of praying about this episode and just kind of the direction that we wanted to take with it. And we both um, kind of separately have had the story of Esther put on our hearts. And um, I think it's really cool because Cadence actually the other day at lunch um, just made the comment, Mommy, there's not many important women in the Bible. And I just nearly fell out of my chair. I was like, (laughs) that is not true. And we need to talk about more women because women, God used so Mm. many women in the Bible. And for some reason, um, we do kind of stray away from these stories about women that are so key in um, the line of Mm -hmm. Jesus. And so um, Aaron and I were both drawn to the story Esther. And so as I went back and read it, I noticed something um, a little bit strange. God's name actually is not mentioned once in the book of Esther. Um, And there's some different opinions as to why that is. But even though his name isn't mentioned, um, I think it's really, really neat. We decided to go ahead and talk about this story because these attributes that we've been talking about on this episode are still very, very apparent mm-hmm. through the story um, of Esther. So Aaron, um, Aaron. <laughs> so <laughs> Esther, <laughs> I looked at Aaron right when I said that. <laughs> so Esther was um, a Jewish woman that lived with her cousin Mordecai because her parents had passed away. And during this time, the King Xerxes, he um, had divorced his wife. The queen basically divorced her. Um, and he was looking for a new queen. So he sent out for all the young women to be brought to his kingdom. And they were all for a whole year prepared to be presented to the king um, for him to find a wife. So anyway, after that year, he ended up choosing Esther, still not knowing that she was Jewish. And so he chooses her, they get married, and he has a guard named Haman, who he had kind of put in charge of a lot of different stuff. And actually, he had a lot of power. Well, Haman decided he didn't like the Jewish people because they weren't bowing down and worshiping him, basically. And so he set this decree out for all of the Jewish people to be killed. All of them just killed. And so Esther, through Mordecai, gets word of this. And she has to uh, go talk to Xerxes about this. And it is in that day was life threatening for her. Exactly. Exactly. For her to just approach the king without the king summoning for her first was huge and so she actually fasted for three days before she got all the Jewish people to fast as well she ended up going into his throne room and he accepted her he said come on in Esther what's going on (laughs) what's up and yeah what's up (laughs) and um so anyway she ends up after a series of feasts and all this stuff she ends up um telling him Haman's plan and he says no that's not okay and so Haman was um hanged and uh the Jewish people were saved and that's a very very short Mm -hmm. (laughs) overview Mm -hmm. of the book of Esther um go go and read it it's amazing it's only 10 chapters it's very short but that's just a quick little summary of the story yeah and I think um like we said to draw out the omnis from this story the omnis I say it like it's like a I don't know club <laughs> the all the omnis, omnis. <laughs> um I think 
we see them very clearly uh, if you if you're looking for them, yes. which I think is a good point when you're looking in the scriptures to be looking for these things. But we the most known verse, I think, from Esther is perhaps you were created for such a time as this. Um, you said it was four fourteen. Yeah. yeah. And um, I think that main verse also covers a lot of the omnis as well. Perhaps you were created for such a time as this, that God, if we're talking about his um, omniscience, God knew what was going to happen. God knew. And so he placed Esther in that group of women to go meet before the king to see who he was going to choose for a wife. God knew it was going to be Esther. God prepared her. God used Mordecai to speak to her, her Cousin. cousin um and so god knew every step of the process god was in the works planning everything as it goes and then god was present with her god gave her the boldness yes. to go speak to him when it was life-threatening for her god gave her the boldness to fast to seek himself um and god was present there with her and then god was omnipotent in the fact that if he if she didn't rely on his power to speak to him. And if he wasn't powerful enough over the king, then, you know, the line of David would have been, or the line of Jesus would have been ruined. And um, the Jews would have been killed and God's plan would have been thwarted. And that's obviously not what happened because God is omnipotent. And so we see all three of these even though we don't even technically see God's name in the book. I know. Isn't that crazy? So crazy. So crazy cool. And I also think this is kind of where the, um, in in my mind, the omnipotence and the sovereignty kind mm-hmm. of collide. Mm-hmm. Because if we look at that verse that, um, that Aaron just quoted, Esther 4.14, and it says, For if you keep silent... At this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But if you and your father's house will perish. So even if Esther hadn't done what she was called to do, Mm. then in God's power and Mm -hmm. in God's sovereignty, he would have provided a way for Mm. the Jewish people to Mm. continue on Mm -hmm. because that was his plan and his sovereignty. And it's hard to... It's hard to kind of put all those pieces mm-hmm. together, but I think that that's just really cool that right there, even though it doesn't say his name, it doesn't mm-hmm. say God's name right there, but, but Mordecai's telling her, hey, even if you don't do this, there's someone that's going to figure this out. Yeah. So yeah. why don't you just be a part of God's plan, mm-hmm. basically? And I think that goes into a whole nother thing about yeah, yeah. like how we are so just, it's such an honor to be a part of God's mm-hmm. plan and to allow him to work through us. Um, so yeah, that verse 414, I feel like there's so much wrapped up in that, yeah. that one verse. Yeah. So we just wanted to give you um, just kind of an example of what it looks like to study your word, looking for these attributes of God. And you can do this, do this with any of the attributes that we've talked about Um I just think it's a really great practice to come to your scripture seeking attributes of God in it. Um, no matter where you're reading, this is an Old Testament book. So, I mean, Old Testament, New Testament, no matter what you're doing, you're seeking his face, you're seeking his attributes. So, like we said, any of the attributes that we've talked about, and obviously we did not cover all of them, um, wow. that would take us like five years. So, um, we tried to just pick a few, and um, our prayer is that these um, encouraged you, taught you something, strengthened your faith, um, and that you, as you continue to approach your scriptures, you approach them seeking these attributes of God and that, um, that you will find them. 
You will find them no matter where you open your Bible, no matter where you read. It might take a little work. It might be a little confusing. You might have to sit in the scripture a little bit, but you will find um, God's goodness and Mm -hmm. his infinitude and his omnipotence. And why do we pick all the ones with the hard names? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I was trying to think, what was it? The Yeah, infinitude was the one that we kept saying. Yeah. Immutability that yes. I didn't even know that was a word right. before. Right. All these words, all the words. Yeah, I've learned so much through to. this series. And we pray that y'all have. That's yes. our that's our desire in this. Yes. So where are we headed next, Aaron? We our next week is gonna be great. We're gonna have um Katie Cox, who <laughs> if you um listen to the music that's before and after each episode is um, done by our wonderful friend Katie Cops and we're going to have her on next talking about um, how to live a lifestyle of worship as a response to all of these attributes that we've been talking about. You're going to love it. I'm so excited about it because Katie's just incredible mm-hmm. and so and you'll get a little peek into our crazy friendship that we have. <laughs> we love her so much. So um, I think this week we want to end with a J.I. Packer quote and as I was reading through, um, this is out of the book, Knowing God, and I thought this was just perfect to end this episode with. It says, living becomes an awesome business when you realize that you spend every moment of your life in the sight and company of an omniscient and omnipresent God. If you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes, and most importantly, share with a friend. The beautiful music that you've heard on this episode today is by the incredibly talented Katie Cobbs.